This morning, uh, we are continuing uh, in our series in our uh, six core values uh, here at CCPC. And uh, last week, uh, Pastor Young uh, started our series off uh, by looking at the first two core values, uh, which is that there is a primacy and an importance uh, of God's word uh, in all that we do. And that also, uh, you know, going along with that, that uh, worship is really important, right? Worship is very important. And of course, the, uh, the centrality of God's word uh, in our worship as well. Uh, and I like to think of it as God has reached down to us by his grace. And so we respond by going up to him, responding in worship. Uh, today, I have the privilege and the task of tackling the next two core values, uh, the third and the fourth. Uh, which really, if you summarize it, uh, has to do with relationships, uh, the importance of relationships within the church. And so here at CCPC, how we are to relate uh, to one another. And basically, I just want to say that uh, we are family, right? We are brothers and uh, sisters in Christ here. And so if last week we talked about how we respond to God in reaching up, I like to think of it as, well, we reach across, right, to one another. We reach across the aisle or the, the seats to each other here uh, at CCPC. Next week, Joseph has the uh, privilege of talking about our fifth and our sixth core values. Uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think it has something to do with loving the community around us, so outside the church, maybe friends, family, co-workers, neighborhoods, etc., etc., all that including, of course, evangelism and missions and reaching out to others with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so reaching out, right? So going up, going across, going out. That's how I like to think about it and, and categorize it in my head so that it makes sense to me anyway. And so today uh, we do want to look at sort of relationships and, and reaching across to one another here at CCPC. And for the purposes of today's sermon, I wanted to read one verse for us. And so uh, please turn on your Bibles and, uh, you know, go over to Romans chapter 12 or open your Bibles. You can open your Bibles, turn on your Bibles, whatever. And uh, we'll look at one verse together, okay? Verse 9. Uh, you can also, I, I think, follow along on the projector in front of you. Romans 12, verse 9. It says, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Amen. Uh, several weeks ago, uh, we had a staff meeting where Pastor Young and I, we were talking to Joseph in the beginning of the meeting about uh, what it takes to be licensed and ordained in the PCA. And typically, you get tested, right? You get tested before you become ordained. And one of the things you have to do is stand before presbytery, which is all the elders and all the pastors of a particular presbytery. And you get tested. You get grilled. You get asked questions. I think one of the questions that's usually asked across the board in all the presbyteries is, uh, I would like you to pick a Pauline epistle and then outline it for us. Now, even if you know how to answer that question, it can be pretty daunting as you stand before dozens and dozens and dozens of elders. Uh, and so how would you answer that? Well, I want to kind of give a really simple and quick outline for Romans today. I hope it's helpful for us as we go through verse 9, chapter 12, verse 9. Maybe it won't pass muster at Korean Southeastern Presbytery, but, but a very simple outline of Romans is you go through chapters 1 through 11, and this is doctrine, 
Okay. Salvation in Christ alone, by grace through faith. And then Paul unpacks, you know, all that comes from that, right? How is a person saved? What are you saved from, et cetera, et cetera. Chapters 12 through 16, the rest of the book, you might think of as practical theology. Okay, so in light of the fact that you are alive in Christ, that you have been saved by grace, how should you live? How should you respond? What should your life look like? What, should, what does a Christian look like? And I think our verse today kind of touches on that a little bit in that, well, one of the things that your life should be marked by as a Christian is it needs to be marked by love. Okay, We need to love each other. And we need to love each other because you are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are the family of God. And we are the family of God here at CCPC. And so that's what I wanted to look at today, what it means to love one another and also what it means to be part of the family of God here um, at CCPC. I want to tackle this by looking at sort of two different points in that the first is really the first sentence of verse 9, and that is that we need to have a genuine love. And then the next sentence, uh, kind of look at it as we need a discerning love. Okay, so a genuine love and then a discerning love. And so when we look at the first sentence, then let's look at it together, verse 9, looking at the first sentence, it says, let love be genuine. Okay, let love be genuine. Now, what kind of love is Paul talking about here? Well, the word for love here in, in this sentence is actually the word agape. Right, there are many, many, many different kinds of love in Scripture, but the one specifically here is, is that of agape. It is typically used as God's love for us, a divine love, a, God, a godly love, a love that is sacrificial and full of mercy and gracious and a, a love that is costly. Right? And in Romans chapters 1 through 11, the way that Paul uses this word most of the time is describing that kind of love, right? God's love for us. There's only one time in chapters 1 through 11 where it's talking about our love for God. But usually it's about God's love for us. But what's interesting, I think, here in chapter 12, as we look at sort of more of a practical kind of theology, is that it seems as if Paul is using the word agape here for our love for each other. Okay? Our love for one another. That in fact, the kind of love that if we have received it from God, a, a godly, costly, merciful, gracious love, that we then in turn are to extend this love uh, to each other. And I think we, we can see what this is like as we see our own lives and as we, as we see our relationships here at church, uh, the way in which we are to love one another. One another. But I see a, a kind of problem with this, and that is that Paul, he further qualifies this or explains it, describes it further by saying that love must be genuine. Now, what in the world does that mean? That love must be genuine. It seems as if perhaps people back in Paul's time had a love that was not genuine. And that maybe I would submit today that this could be a struggle for us as well. Right? That our love is not genuine. What does that mean? Several years ago, there was a popular ESPN sports show slash podcast I used to watch and listen to. Uh, maybe you guys have seen or heard this before, too. It was called Mike and Mike. It was called Mike and Mike uh, because the two hosts of the show were named Mike Greenberg and Mike Golick. And at the time, it was probably the most popular ESPN show on TV. Right? And these two had a seemingly great relationship, great banter, great analysis, and uh, it, it seemed as if they were best friends. 
Uh, but what's interesting is that this show eventually became canceled and it went off air. And the question was why? It was so popular, right? Why did it go off air? And there's speculation that it's because as these two were on air and there was so, such great relationship and chemistry and rapport that when, it, when they got off air, when the lights turned off and the cameras were turned off, they absolutely hated each other. They had no relationship and they didn't even talk to each other at all. In fact, one anonymous ESPN worker on the show says this about the show. It's really a poisonous atmosphere right now, but I give both these guys immense credit because when the light comes on, you would not know what's going on. They are pros on air. And so when the lights are on and cameras are on, so friendly, you know, great relationship, best of friends, they're pros. But then the lights are off and they're enemies, right? They hate each other. Uh, and the show is eventually canceled. What's interesting about uh, this situation, I think, is that I think we would describe this as hypocrisy, right? Hypocrisy. They were one way in a particular uh, time, but then a different way during that time inwardly. Right? They hated each other. The word here, genuine, where it says, let love be genuine, literally means without hypocrisy. Right? Without hypocrisy. Now, what's interesting, I think, is that in today's day and age, the word hypocrisy is kind of a pejorative term. Right? It's negative. We, we don't want to be called hypocrites. Like, it's, it's bad, right? But I think in ancient times, it, it wasn't bad or good. In ancient times, the word hypocrite literally just meant an actor in a Greek drama. There are actors on stage. And so, and these actors came on stage and they were called hypocrites. And they would literally put on these large white masks that portrayed different emotions. Maybe you've seen some of these masks before. Masks that portray anger or sadness or joy or happiness or maybe love for one another. And depending on the scene, they would put on different masks. And so it didn't matter how you felt on the inside because a mask would portray whatever it was that that scene was trying to portray on the outside. And this is what happened in ancient Greek drama. They would put on masks. It seems as if Paul is suggesting that when it comes to our love for one another, the, the struggle or the battle for many of us is to love in a real way, without pretense, without role-playing, and to portray exactly how it is that you feel. A love that is real. I love the way that the New Living Translation puts uh, this verse. The New Living Translation says, don't just pretend you love one another. Really love them. Right? Really love them. And of course, as we find, you know, this is really hard to do. Um, you know, even as I was thinking about today's sermon, as I was prepping this, you know, taking a look at my own heart, the way that, I mean, never mind church, but like family and, and friends and I mean, just all the relationships across the board, just how difficult it can be. Our love sometimes is selfish. Our love sometimes is cold or maybe even robotic. Right? It's because I have to do this, right, that I love in this way. Or, um, and, and it's so difficult to do. It, it's discouraging, really. And yet the encouragement and the grace of our God is that he doesn't leave us alone to continue to struggle in our sins, 
but he strengthens us. He strengthens us. Again, going back to chapters 1 through 11 in Romans, which is a lot of indicatives and a lot of doctrine. If you go to Romans 5, verse 5, it says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And and so I, I guess the question then is, do you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who gives you the love of God, who pours his love into your heart? And, and the answer, uh, simply, I think, is if you are a Christian, then yes, you have the Holy Spirit. In fact, you cannot be a Christian apart from the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who applies the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ to our account. He is the one who brings us to life. And so if you are a Christian, if you have embraced Christ, if you have bowed the knee to him, if you have faith in him, then yes, uh, you have the Holy Spirit because it is the work of the Spirit. And, and one of the things that, you know, I was really thinking through and struggling through um, in preparation for today is, you know, how often then, how often do I uh, seek the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life? I think so often in my life, even as I try to do anything for God, whether it's, I think it's big or, or whether it's small, anything righteous or good or holy, How often do I try to do these things apart from the strengthening and the help of the Lord? Even something like loving somebody. Oh, yeah, I can love them. You know, just come up with a strategy and, you know, but how often do I ask? And what we find in Scripture, I think, again and again, is that the Christians in the New Testament had the Holy Spirit. Because, again, you can't be a Christian apart from the Holy Spirit. And yet they asked for the filling of the Spirit Again and again and again and over and over again. God, give us your spirit. And as we see again, the spirit is the one who pours God's love into our hearts. Ask the Lord. Ask him to fill you with his spirit. To strengthen you that you might then in turn love others. And so ask, but then act. Right? It's not... Saying, oh, God, okay, God, would you, like, go and bless that person? I mean, I mean, pray that, right? Do that, but then act. Strengthen me, Lord, that I might be a conduit to encourage and to love others. And so let's take this, let's be as practical and, you know, as we can be. You know, who this week, after asking the Lord for his spirit, for his strengthening, who this week do you need to reach out to at CCPC? Do you need to encourage Do you need to forgive? Do you need to meet up with? Do you need to call or text? Um, Who do you need to love, right, with the love of God? So ask, but then let's act. Well, and let's take this a little bit deeper, okay? Uh, It's pretty much a really general sense of of how to love, but let's take it a little bit deeper, okay? So that's genuine love. Let's look at the second sentence. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. I think Paul, he sort of, teaches us a little bit more of what it means to love. Okay, how can we do this more practically? Now, the second part of the sentence, um, hold to what is fast. The picture that, that Paul is, I think, trying to paint here is that he uses words that, that remind us of the relationship between husband and wife. Okay, a cleaving and a clinging to. And so if I can rephrase the sentence or, or that phrase, uh, cling to what is good. All that is good, all that is holy, all that is righteous, 
seek those things, look at those things, see those things, but then see it also in one another. Right? Commend those things. Encourage it. Like, brother, I love the way that you prayed, like, during service. It really blessed me. Thank you so much for that. Or, sister, I love the way that you worship. Like, man, I could tell that you love the Lord. You know, I I just want to commend you on that. Let's continue to do that together and worship the Lord together. Like, see those things and, and encourage it, elevate it. And so I think we know how to do that. But it's the first part, abhor what is evil. It's a little bit trickier, I think. Uh, because it, we don't anticipate it, I think, when it comes to, to love. Uh, the word abhor that Paul uses here is one of the strongest words uh, he can use for hate. Uh, I think it means something like be horrified by, right? It's, it's hate in the umpteenth degree uh, what is evil. Okay? And so on the one hand, you commend or you cling to what is good. On the other hand, you are to hate what is evil, I think, in each other, in our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, here at church. And how can you do that? How can we do that if we don't know one another? How do we commend what is good? How do we hate what is evil if we don't know each other's lives? Uh, If we don't, if I could put it this way, scrutinize. If we don't confront if we're not all up in each other's business, if we don't, you know, how, how can we do these things? And so there's a discernment here, I think, a love that judges in a way, right? Differentiates what is good and what is evil uh, in each other. Uh, a few weeks ago, my family and I, we, we drove to New Jersey to see my parents. And we also saw my sister and her family as well. And uh, my sister you know, has a husband and two, two daughters. And we stayed with uh, my sister, you know, in her home for about a week uh, in New Jersey. It was, it was a lovely time. It was really nice. Um, but I learned two things about family. Uh, and the first thing that I learned about family, unfortunately, uh, is that uh, you don't get to choose your family. Right? You're born into family, aren't you? And I learned this the hard way because um, prior to this visit, I, I didn't meet my youngest niece, Lydia. She's one years old, okay? And um, if you know anything about me, like I love babies, but unfortunately, they don't always love me back. Uh, as so- okay, I- I'm not kidding about this. As soon as I saw Lydia and she saw me, I'm, I'm not kidding about this. She burst out screaming and crying as soon as she saw me. And it didn't matter what I tried to do. You know, I did the, you know, like, oh, I did the baby faces and the baby noises. And, oh, you know, Samchun is, you know, uncle is here. And nope. Continued crying. And in fact, even after that, she finally stopped crying. But even after that, every time she saw my face or heard the word Samchun even, she started shaking her head like this. I, it's not even like I was trying to like hold her, but she she just instantly just no, don't even try it, right? Like she she did not want anything to do with me. It didn't matter that I was her uncle. You know, I, I guess I was the weird, scary uncle, right? We all have one of those, right? Um, I was the weird, scary one, and and but 
she stuck with me, right? She, she, she's born into it, right? She, she can't choose, like, you know, who she's going to uh, be related to, right? That's the first thing I learned. Second thing I learned is that um, in family, uh, there's no such thing as privacy. Uh, you know, when, when we were staying with my sister in her house, she, she lives in a condo. It's a, it's a smaller, you know, condo, but it was nine of us in there, right, including all the kids, uh, for a week, we're literally living on top of each other. Like, literally, like, you know, just trying to find a place to, to sleep at night, you know? Like, it's that kind of situation. Uh, but there's no privacy in family, right? We're living all up on top of each other, in each other's business. I, I would literally barge into my sister's room every morning because she had to shower with a good water pressure. And we all know that good water pressure makes all the difference. And so I'm going in there, like, I don't care, like, what she's, like, I'm just going and using it. There's no privacy. Hopefully, like, we respect each other and, you know, all that. But, but we're literally living on top of each other. I think this, it, it taught me a couple of things about family and about relating to each other here. Hopefully, you guys see each other as family. But the first thing is that the reality is that, you know, family, you, you don't choose family, even church family. I think in some sense, like, we think to ourselves, oh, I have the autonomy. It's by my will and wisdom, Right? But I think God has foreseen, God has ordained, God has placed, praise the Lord, six years of CCPC together. It's by his wisdom and by his decree. Right? Family's chosen for you. And so I think that's why sometimes, like, sometimes relationships kind of go bad sometimes. Or we don't align sometimes. Or we might argue sometimes or disagree. And that's fine. As long as we understand that we're, at the end of the day, we're family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And we forgive and we reconcile, we move forward. But I think the second thing is true as well, isn't it? That in church family, there shouldn't be at least really any real sense of privacy. That we get up into each other's business. That if you are my brother, if you are my sister, that yeah, we're going to want to invest it. We're going to want to scrutinize. We're going to want to confront. We're going to want to dig deep, peel back the layers. And we want to do it because we love Right? Because there's real love there. And, and when we do these things, when we scrutinize, when we point out certain things about each other's lives, that hopefully we do it in a respectful way as well. That maybe we point out specks in each other's eyes, but we realize that we have a tree trunk in our own eyes. And so we do it with gentleness and with humility and with respect uh, for each other. Uh, because as Paul says, as you look at one another, you are to hate that which is evil in that person's life. Um, I hate it, brother. I hate it, sister, that you are going down this path. Let me walk alongside of you. There's a better way. You know, you don't have to make those decisions. You know, let's, let's go this way together. Right? I hate that which is evil in your life. And so out of love for you, I want to help you uh, to turn away uh, from those things. But it sounds strange, though, doesn't it? Uh, isn't hate the opposite of love? Right? How, how do we love one another by hating something as well? You guys have, heard, uh, have all heard this before. Right? 
that in fact, hate is not the opposite of love, uh, but it's indifference. Right? You've heard that. That's not anything new. It's indifference. It's, it's having the attitude of, you know what, I, I just really don't care. <laughs> you know, it's not my life. You know, go ahead. You know, you, you want to do that? You know, go right ahead. And actually, the, even saying it out loud, it makes me, like, cringe. It's, it's one of the worst things you can say, isn't it, to, to someone else? I really don't care what you do with your life. Go ahead. Right? If we're indifferent to one another. Um, and yet the call is not to be indifferent. The call is to love genuinely by discerning that which is evil uh, in someone else's life. Now, here's the thing, though. Uh, I've only been here for about a year at CCPC. Um, I don't think that we're indifferent. I could be wrong. You know, someone, you know, you more seasoned uh, members, correct me, okay? That's fine, correct me. But I don't think we're indifferent. I think there's a sense in which, you know, we do care and we do uh, love one another and we want to go deep into each other's lives and we want to point out things and want to help each other. I I really do believe that. But um, there's something that I recognize, I think, in all of the Asian American churches that I've been at, whether I was serving there or just a member there or whatever it is, uh, and maybe this is too much of a generalization, I don't know, but there's, a, there's an environment, I think, in many Asian American churches where um, uh, we're really nice to each other. And so it's not indifference, uh, but it's, man, I really don't want to rock the boat. You know, why can't we just go with the flow? You know, you know what I mean? Like, let's, let's, just, let's just be nice and, like, you know, if I say something to somebody, it's going to get so awkward and uncomfortable and, like, they might reject me. Like, like I, I want to be liked by people, you know? Like, I just want to be nice. I feel like at most churches I've been at, it's kind of like that, right? I'm not saying that's here at CCPC. It could be. I don't know. I haven't been here that long, but but some places, I think, well, let's just put it that way, right? We don't want to rock the boat. And yet, I think what we find is that agape love, agape love does not go with the flow. Agape love rocks the boat. Why? Because we love, because we care, because we scrutinize, because we want to discern, and we want to help. We want to help one another, uh, With the love of God. And so instead of being nice, sounds weird when saying it out loud, instead of being nice, uh, how about we give each other permission? Uh, last year, when we relaunched a CG uh, community group, my uh, Wednesday night Decatur group, the <laughs> The very first night that we met, we came up with what we called uh, our community group guidelines. You guys remember that? Yeah, guidelines. And um, these were things that uh, we would use to help sort of form our discussion. And so, for example, things like uh, whatever you share in CG, like we're not going to tell other people about. I mean, with some exception, like, you know, if you're going to hurt yourself or hurt others, like, you know. But other than that, it's Vegas, right? We don't say anything. 
This, uh, another thing is like, um, if you don't want to share, okay, if you don't want to share, you don't have to. We're not going to force you to answer questions. We're not going to force you to say anything. You don't have to. Uh, what about when we relaunch, Lord willing, uh, our new unit, right? When we relaunch the new unit and we meet again, I want to suggest what if we gave each other permission uh, to ask hard questions? Um, and so in other words, brother, sister, I give you permission. If you see something in my life, please say something. If you see something in my life, whether it's like financial, whether it's addiction, whether it's some kind of intimacy, whether it's a discipleship issue, like whatever it might be. If you see something in my life, I give you permission to, to speak into my life. And I promise you, I'm not going to retaliate. I promise you I won't get defensive. I promise you, you know, I'm not going to argue back. I'm not going to be like, well, what about your sin? (laughs) What if we did that? And maybe my CG will not want to do that, and that's fine. (laughs) Like, I'm not Lord and King of our group. That's fine. But maybe it's more appropriate for triads. Who knows? Who knows? But what if we did something like that where for the sake of the gospel— For the sake of holiness, for the sake of pursuing righteousness, we did that for each other. And in that way, really dig deep. Really love one another. That if it is true that you have received the love of God, that we might in turn love each other in this way. Now, one thing I realized as I was preparing for today is that, man, this is really hard. (laughs) Like, I do not love like this. Let's just be really honest. Um, Susan's like, yeah, it's true. Um, man, I, don't, I don't love like this. Um, it's like really hard. But the encouragement, I think, the encouragement for me anyway, it was a balm to my soul, is uh, that I'm not in the family of God because I love so well. Right? It's not like God saw me and was like, oh, you love so well, and so come, you know, like, <laughs> I'm not in God's family because I love so well, but because I'm a part of God's family, I can love well. Because he has grafted me in, he has drawn me near and close, I can love well. And the encouragement for all of us today is that the Lord who has saved you is also the Lord who gives you his love. Draw close to him. Draw near to him. Right? Don't go out trying to do this on your own. But to your heavenly father, sit in his lap, crawl into it, and sit close to him. Meditate and embrace God who has already embraced you. Receive his love so that you might go and give a genuine and discerning love to each other here as well. Okay, let us pray. God, we bow our heads before you. Thank you for your amazing love for us. God, you are our Father. And Jesus, you're our big brother. Holy Spirit, you dwell inside of us. Thank you that because of what you did, we are your family. And thank you that we're family here at CCPC. Lord, it's hard. I mean, we're not going to sugarcoat it. It's hard. Relationships are difficult. It's messy. And yet, God... We want to pursue an agape, divine, godly love for one another because you have loved us with that love. 
Lord, strengthen us this week. Help us to receive more of that love this week that we may give it to others. For your glory, God, and for the good of your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.